let's pray together. Father, you alone are worthy of honour, glory and praise. We praise you that you are gracious and full of compassion, that you are trustworthy in all your promises, that you are faithful in all your ways and that you are the creator of all and yet you love each of us and want us to draw near to you. We thank you that you are always with us, that there is nowhere we can go that is apart from you. So even in these strange times when we have to social distance ourselves from others, we never need to be distant from you. You are always near. All we need to do is draw near to you. We thank you that you direct our paths and lead us in the ways you want us to go. You shine light along the paths you want us to walk and into all the dark places of our lives. But we acknowledge, Lord, that despite everything you've done for us and the huge sacrifice you've paid so that we can walk in the light, we sometimes fail to do it. We take our eyes off you and we choose the paths of folly. We get enticed by things that seem attractive to us but are actually leading us away from you. Lord, we are sorry that we've turned our back on you. Please forgive us. Please help us to set aside everything that distracts us. Please help us to prune those things out of our lives. And instead, we pray that we can set our eyes on you and daily trust you to direct our steps. We thank you, Father, that when we confess these things before you, you are faithful to your word and you forgive us and restore us. We thank you that you care about our needs and we can ask and you actually ask us to bring them all to you. So, Father, now we ask that you are with us. We ask that you heal those who are sick amongst us and protect us as we engage more fully again in the social aspects of our daily lives. Please help us to be wise in our actions and patient with the restrictions that we face right now. Please be with us and those around us who are feeling anxious or overwhelmed or tired. Please comfort us through your Holy Spirit and renew and restore us. Please fill us with the peace and hope that can only come from you. Please continue to give our leaders extra wisdom as they navigate this pandemic and the economic uncertainty that it has brought to our nation and across the world. We pray for those who are in financial difficulty and ask that you provide for their needs. Help us to be generous in response to others who need our help and support. We pray too that you will use this strange time to actually strengthen the church, both locally and across the world. Please show us, Father, how we can support those in nations who have far less resources than we have available to us. And Lord, as we return to public gatherings, please use us to be a witness to those around us who don't know you. We pray your name will be proclaimed through our actions and our words as we seek to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Karen. Uh, it's good to pray together. Now, we've got some announcements and we're going to have those in just a moment. Uh, now, one thing I need to let you know is that there is no Zoom meeting this morning after this gathering. The reason why we're doing that is our leadership team, there's 71 of us on our leadership team, it's a very large service team, uh, uh, leadership team. Uh, we have lots of people in our church, so we, we need all those leaders. But we're actually meeting right now to do a bit of a, uh, a trial gathering to see how our protocols and all the things we've put in place work. And so we're doing that together at the moment and we're going to be talking about what, how it all went. So we're not going to be able to do the Zoom because we'll be caught up with that. But I encourage you to call each other during the week and to catch up. But right now, we're going to hear from one of our wardens. We're going to hear from Hayden. And then we will have Adam reading uh, the Bible for us. Hello, everyone. This is a notice from the Wardens of Soul Revival Church that we will be holding the church's annual general meeting on Wednesday, 22 July at 7.30 p.m. 
The meeting will be held on site at the factory at Kirawi. You can only participate by attending in person. At the meeting, we will hold elections for wardens, elected council representatives, nominators and synod representatives. We'll receive a report from the treasurer and the senior pastor. We're calling for nominations for the elected positions to be sent in by email by Sunday, 19 July. To nominate someone, send an email to us with the name of the person you are nominating and the position. We need the person who is nominated to consent. So we suggest that you copy them on the email and they should reply all indicating consent. Please send emails to office at soulrevivalchurch.com. That's office at soulrevivalchurch.com. This message will be repeated in services leading up to the AGM. Any questions, ask a warden. These details and the warden's email addresses will be on the website. We look forward to seeing you at the Soul Revival Church AGM on Wednesday, 22 July at 7.30pm at the factory in Kirawi, one way. Good morning. The reading today is Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 through to verse 7. That's Proverbs 3, 1 to 7. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Well, thank you, Adam, for that reading. That's fantastic. We are looking at chapter 3, but we're actually going to look at chapters 1 to 8 this morning. Now, that might seem a little bit weird because last week we were in chapter 9 and we're going back. There's a good reason for that, and that is that as we look through Proverbs, we see that wisdom is something that Solomon talks about a lot. He wants his son, he wants us to search out wisdom, to look for wisdom, to to walk down the path of wisdom. And we're told that in chapter 1, 7, that it is actually the the beginning of wisdom is actually the fearing God. And so as we do that, we also need to be mindful that throughout Proverbs, there is a flip side to wisdom, and that is folly. And so we are going to have a bit of a look at that this morning because they are two sides that we need to, we need to be well aware of. We need to chase after wisdom, but we need to be aware of folly so that we know how to flee from it. And so I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump in. So let me do that. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray for wisdom. We pray for understanding. We pray that, you, that through your spirit that you would guide us and lead us and that you would teach us what, what it is to, to seek wisdom, to seek you with all our heart and to flee from folly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, during this time, I know many of us have been 
Netflixing or you know watching various TV shows. I've actually started uh, started watching the Lemony, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that or heard of it or seen the movie. I'm watching the, the TV series, which is really fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Just want to say, though, I, if you haven't seen it or you know nothing about it, spoiler is coming, okay? So put your finger in your ears. Don't listen just for a moment. I'll give you a way when you can check back in if you like. But it's important for me just to explain uh, something because or to say that, that I'm going to spoil it because I don't want to do that if you want to watch it. But all right, fingers in your ears, good. Okay, so in this TV series, there, it revolves around these three kids whose parents, these three kids whose parents have died, uh, they've met with disaster, and they are then taken to various relatives who will look after them, who will, who will be their guardians. And what is also found out is that there is a great, uh, I guess, a great inheritance left to these children when they reach a certain age. Now, one of the, one of the, uh, the guardians, one of the family members who take them in is a character called Count Olaf. Now, he's a, uh, a failed actor, not a very good one, but he gets wind of this inheritance that is coming their way, and so therefore he devises an evil plan to get in on the action, or actually to get all of it. Now, throughout, you know, what happens next is that Count Olaf loses his guardianship of these children. They go to other family members and family friends. But what, what, um, what uh, Count Olaf does is he disguises himself as different characters to infiltrate the family and the lives of these other guardians. In fact, he, he goes in and he tempts them and he entices them to do things that they normally wouldn't do. And some of them actually even die in the process. They lose their lives. And so throughout this, he's, he's working, he's, he's just trying to get in in any way he can. And he does that through the disguises that he wears. So they don't know who he is, although the kids know who he is, but no one listens to them. And he sneaks in and ruins things. Also, his evil plan can happen. Now, why am I saying that? Well, I'm saying that because, as I said, we've been looking at wisdom and the flip side of that is folly. Now, folly is sin. It's the path of sin. And sin, we're often told, and rightly, that it is horrible and evil and we want to have nothing to do with it. We, nobody wants to have anything to do with it. Everybody, nobody wants to do it. But the problem is, while that is true, what is also true about sin is that it can tempt us. It, it, is, tempt, it is tempting. It, is, it can entice us. It can woo us in with things that we want uh, or even, yeah just there's just really it just seeks to entice us and take us off the direction that we are going and take us somewhere else and what it does is that sin does this really sin and this is what count olaf does is here attacks the weaknesses of people so whether it's pride or vanity or whatever that might be he he that's where that's the crack that he seeks to uh to kind of wedge people with to, to slip into their lives through and so for us sin does very similar things and usually sin really gets at our weakness which is that desire to be autonomous that desire to be who we are to to, to be wise to to lean on our own knowledge and our own understanding and our own wisdom 
to be self-sufficient. Sin really kind of gets in under the, the, uh, the, the crack of the door to try and lead us away in these ways. And what I want to look at really quickly is how sin disguises itself in many ways. Sin is not something that's new. Actually, sins are still the same as what they were way back in the Garden of Eden. Because when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, what was the problem? It was autonomy. It was their leaning on their own wisdom, their own understanding, as we saw in Proverbs 3. Being wise in their own eyes, that is where sin was able to creep in and take them away from following God to a life that is not how we were designed to live. And so we're going to have a look at those, those disguises because sin is sin. Sin has always been. The sin that happened in the past sometimes looks different to what we, we experience now. But the thing is that it's the same sin. It's just disguised differently. It's just in different clothes. And so Proverbs shows us a few of those things. I'm going to pick up three things. I'm not going to go much more than that. Uh, there are plenty. And I encourage you to read from uh, chapters 1 through to 8 and see these various disguises, these clothings that sin puts on. But let's have a look at the first one. The first one is in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through to 19. And I, I just, I guess there's a way to kind of title it, I guess, is it's the disguise of power. See, in there... Solomon really seems to be talking about joining a gang. Now, when you join a gang, it's about being known. It's about having power, having authority over other people. And that is a problem for us as human beings. We like to be the ones in power and not the ones out of power. We like to be at the top. We don't want to be at the bottom. I know when I was in high school, quite often the ones who were, I guess, the, the cool kids, the ones who were... I guess, what could we say? Not just, they were the popular ones, the ones who seem to have all the popularity that goes along with various things. And they were the ones who really, they kind of, uh, they were the ones who had a payout at hand. They were quick, they were uh, cutting, and they had the right responses or the right reactions or the comebacks that were needed that cut people down and elevated them above, them above others. They had a power in the way that they spoke. Now, here in Proverbs 1, it's, it's very much a, a violence type of power, a violent type power. But that violence is not just in physical, you know, I'm going to hit you type thing. It can be in our words and the way that we manipulate people. There is, a, there is something sweet, there is something tantalizing, there's something enticing about having power in this way where we have the ability to to hold something against somebody else to put them beneath us and elevate ourselves and we can do that as i said in many many different ways but the problem is that even though this this uh, the sin disguised in this way feels right at the time we see that it actually leads to ruin in uh, chapter one Verse 19, it says this, Such are the paths of all those who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. it. That makes sense. Like if you ever watched any sort of movie, a gangster type movie, where the gangster gets the power and gets the notoriety and they're at the top of their game, everybody underneath is trying to knock him off or her off. They're trying to knock the, whoever's at the top, whoever's got the power, they're trying to knock them off. 
That, that power doesn't give a life of safety or security or comfort. It's a life that is always looking behind, always making sure that there's not someone there to, to put the knife in the back. It's a life that's full of anxiety, a life that's full of pressure, a life that is not peaceful. It is not a life of comfort and joy. And it is not the life that God created us to live. But when sin is disguised in this way, it makes us feel, even just for a moment, that this could be something, something that's worth chasing after because I feel good. The problem, though, is that it doesn't last and it doesn't just hurt you or the other person, it hurts other people around you, as does any sin, which we'll look at as we go. In fact, let's have a look at the next one in chapter 5, verses 1 to 14. We have this, uh, my, my kids would say that this is the, the, the sexy stuff that you're not supposed to do. Uh, it's called adultery in here. And this is not just a, a woman trying to entice a man it goes both ways men enticing women this this is a, a an area where we feel like this is this is good it's, it's this physical pleasure that it seems really sweet at the time it tastes sweet it, it, it seems like the right thing to do but i think it's a it's a little bit like uh, me and my little problem with ice cream now i say it's a problem i don't think it's a problem but uh, I've spoken about it before, and that is that I will watch something like Lemony Snickers and I'll sit and eat a litre of ice cream over two episodes, maybe even one, and it will, like, I'll be hoeing into it, and those first 10, spoonful, uh, 10 spoonfuls is like, this is the best thing, it's the best decision ever, this is the best day of my life, this ice cream is amazing, it's so sweet and delicious. But then I get to the last sort of few spoonfuls and I start regretting it. It's like there's too much dairy, it's too sweet. It's actually so sweet now that actually all I'm feeling like is vomiting. The, the sweetness is gone and it's almost replaced with a grossness. And that's kind of what this, uh, what sin disguised in this way leads to. It, it's disguised in a way that seems sweet. But when we get caught up in it, when we get, as we, you know, even just for the first little bit, it still seems sweet, but eventually it starts to feel not right. It doesn't feel like it's sitting quite right within us. In fact, it starts feeling like vomit kind of brewing up. We get quite sick. We feel sick, we, whether that's in terms of anxiety or worry or stress or whatever it might be. And so the, the, the problem is we need to be wary of this, of the disguise of sin in this way. Because remember that sin is leading us away from God, not to trust in Him and to lean in Him. Lean on Him. Even though sin in this way is disguised in a way that's sweet and smooth like oil, it actually ends up being bitter. And instead of being smooth, it becomes sharp and it leads to calamity. It leads to troubles. It leads to damage, both for you and the other person and those around you. See, all sin, whether even if it's in secret, has impact on the life of others, not just you. Even if you think it's just me, no one else can see it. No, it's not hurting anyone else. It does. It has an impact on other people. The sin that I do when you're not around impacts you. And you, the sin that you do where you are impacts me when we meet together, when we live life together as brothers and sisters in Christ. It has an impact on the community as well as impact on ourselves. 
Now, as I said, I've been watching a bit of Netflix and there's been a bit of temptation in that. And that's the, the last little disguise we're going to look at. Is that sin disguises itself in rest? In a way that I, you, know, you think, I've worked hard and I deserve to have a break. I deserve to rest. And I deserve actually just to, to enjoy myself and to not, not do anything. What ends up happening is that we end up having this real temptation. There's this enticement to actually entertain our life away, whether that's on Netflix or social media or YouTube or gaming or whatever it might be. There is this enticement to just sit on the lounge. Don't do anything. Put your feet up. You've worked hard. You know, that's why they do those apps, you know, the, the couch to 5K is to get people up and moving. Now, the funny thing is that people often go back to doing it, sitting on the couch and not moving again after doing it. But there's also, uh, in this, there's this idea too of that we can be prone to procrastinate as well, can't we? Where we put things off for another time. And the problem is that we, as we put things off, sooner or later they stack up and we can crumble under the weight of them as we feel the pressure of the, all these things mounting up. And I always find it funny in myself that, you know, when I'm working hard, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy to do this, I'm too busy to do that. And then when I'm resting, I'm also too busy to do this and do that. And we can do that when we, when we are a bit lazy. We can be so caught up in resting that we actually feel that we don't have enough time to read the Bible, to pray to God, to build our relationship with Him, to build our relationship with each other, to disciple one another, to be discipled by others. To be accountable. We find that we we're just too busy resting to do those things. And so it's, it's no, uh, no wonder that Solomon picks up on this imagery of an ant and a slug. See, an ant, I had a look, and there are some ant colonies where the ants will sleep, the working ants will sleep four hours a day. But they do that in one minute grabs. So they'll only sleep for one minute at a time. Now, they don't all just go, okay, look, it's sleep time, everybody, it's 3.45, let's go, lights out, let's sleep one minute, and then we're all back. No, they actually, what, we, what they do is that one will sleep while others are still working. Everybody, there are still people working while they are sleeping. In fact, the way that they sleep almost looks like they've just stopped for a moment and then go. It is that quick, just a minute. Think about that if you just slept for a minute. Now, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to be workaholics either. I'm not asking you to go and get 50 jobs and work hard and not rest. I'm not saying that at all. God intended us to rest. When God created the world, we read this in, in Genesis, where God created six days and on the seventh he rested. And we as human beings are encouraged to do the same. We are commanded to do the same, to work and to rest and to do that in equal amounts. But the problem is we've got to be careful we don't fall into a six-day rest and one-day work. We can do that even when we're at work by the way that we procrastinate and put things off. We have to work hard like an ant works. We have to work hard as though we are working for God. And so it's no, re it's, it's no wonder that, he talks, that Solomon talks about an ant and a slug. Now, for, for me, a slug, slow, slimy, everything that has got to do with lazy... I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they are lazy. But I just think if you are sitting, you know, you're just sitting on the lounge all the time that's, and not doing much, that's pretty slow. And I'm guessing that if you're on the lounge all the time, 
probably not showering, you're probably a bit slimy. I don't know. Might be might be stretched. Maybe I'm saying more about how when I'm a bit lazy, maybe that's more about me. But there's this idea that we have to work hard like an ant and not laze about like a slug. Now, what is the point of all this? Well, we heard in our reading this morning that Adam gave us from Proverbs 3 that we have a tendency in verses 5 and 7 to lean on our own understanding, to be wise in our own eyes. And when we do that, we leave the door open for sin disguised in these ways and many other ways, as I said, I encourage you to read through chapters 1 to 8. We leave the door open for sin to walk into our lives and to destabilize us. When we rely on our own understanding, when we lean on our own understanding, it's like leaning on a stick that has been eaten out by white ants. When we put pressure on it, it crumbles and it falls apart and we fall. But there is an alternative. And that alternative is to lean on God instead. To lean on God's ways, not our own ways. To lean on Him, who, as Proverbs 2 verse 6 says, The Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. See, Proverbs 2 is saying that God is the wisdom that we need to seek, the knowledge and the understanding that we need to lean on. Because that is where the solid, reliable understanding and truth comes from. Not only can we lean on God, we can build our lives on the foundation that is our great God. The wisdom and the understanding that He has, the knowledge that He gives. We can build, not, we're going to not just lean on it, but we can, lead, we can build our lives on. And that is, that's what's going to help us as we do that, because we do that through reading God's Word and praying to Him. And we are to seek we are to seek God, to lean on God as we ask Him to help, as we, as we seek to try and trust Him with all our heart, as we read in chapter 3. We are to seek God. We are to seek His wisdom. We are to seek His firm foundation for our lives with all our heart. And so as we, as we look around in our, in our world, we see brokenness all around us maybe even brokenness in our own lives. These are, these are, this is the response of humanity when we lean on our own wisdom and our own understanding. All we find is brokenness because it is a frail stick that cannot hold us up. It is, though, it is when we think that we are wise in our own eyes. Because when we are wise in our own eyes, we actually will not look for the wisdom of God. And so we need to repent of that. We need to say no to those things. And we need to grab hold of what God has done for us in Jesus, in the way that he's redeemed us and made us new. In fact, Paul in Ephesians 4 says that, that, that there is an old self and a new self. That old self we are to cast off. And they are things like we've talked about, that, that power, that violence, that anger, that rage, that malice. To put away the, the sexual stuff. To not be enticed by it. To, to not be lazy, but to actually work with our hands and to do good. They are the ways of the old self. We are to cast those off and we are to put on the new self. The, the people who we are now in Jesus. 
who are free and redeemed. See, when Jesus died on the cross for us, he took away all that sin. The sin that we've done, the sin that we're doing, and the sin that we will do. So that we may have in him the foundation to build our lives on. See, all these things that Solomon talks about are things that lead to death, lead to destruction, lead to ruin. They don't lead to life. Life is only found in the truth and the wisdom that is in Jesus. Through him we have life. In fact, that's what we find in John 10.10, that Jesus came to give life and to give it to the full. And so I want to encourage you to grab hold of Jesus. Don't let him go. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but humbly come before him and admit that you don't know everything, that you need help. Come before him and lean on Jesus and build your life on him. For when you do that, you will build a life that will last, a life that will last into eternity. A life where when one day, even though in this life we will face all sorts of temptation and enticement, one day those things will be done and we'll no no longer need to battle those things. And so I encourage you this morning to please put your trust in, in God. Read his word. Pray to him. And build your life on him. Lean on him. Let me pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word and we pray that through your spirit that you would help us to trust you, to lean on you, to love you, to follow your ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Uh, Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixit.